beloved. Today we're going to be talking about a different spirit. A different spirit. We're going to go back to Joshua. We started with that, I don't know, a week or two ago. But anyway, in Joshua, after the list of all the kings and kingdoms that Joshua subdued because he was following the Lord, there's this division of land among the Israelites. There's this division of land, and then we come to Caleb. We come to Caleb. And Caleb speaks to Joshua and requests the land that the Lord had given him. He requests the Lord that the land had given him. So we're going to start in Joshua 14, verse 6. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. So he's talking to Joshua, and he says, you know what the Lord said. So immediately, Caleb is speaking the promise of God. That's what's coming out of his mouth. He's speaking the promise of God. He remembers the promise of God. He stands on the word of God. Joshua 14, 7. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. That's the NIV version. The King James Version says, according to what was in my heart. What does the scripture say about our heart and believing? It says in Proverbs 23, 7, that a man, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And Caleb says here, I brought back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. So you see, right off the bat, he stands on the promise of God. And then you see that he has a completely different conviction. A higher conviction. A higher thought. He has a totally different spirit because everybody else who came back, it says they made the fellow Israel, they made their hearts melt in fear. Everyone around me was in fear about this situation. Everybody was speaking fear, they're talking fear, they're thinking fear. And I'm not going to be the one that believes that report because I serve a bigger God. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we've been talking about occupying the land, right? We've been talking for the year of 2020, Isaiah 33, 5 and 6, that he is a sure foundation for our times, a, sal a, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this. 
and that we are to occupy the promise, occupy the land that he has given us. And I gave you an assignment last week to go through and look in Psalms about all the places where he talks about inheriting your land. And there are a lot that are associated with that that don't just say inherit your land. They say he will bring you into your land of abundance. They say he, he will bring you into your desired haven. How many did you find, Carolyn? Carolyn was a good student this week, and she found 61 verses about inheriting your land. That will edify you, saints. That will encourage you, saints. That will help you say, I'm occupying my land. I'm not letting anybody keep me out. I have an inheritance that belongs to me. Whatever that promise of God is that you need in your life. So anyway, sometimes it can be hard to occupy the land when all, everyone around you is speaking fear, doubt, unbelief. And at those moments, at the, at those moments saints, you must stand strong in the sight of what you see. We're not moved by what we see, are we? We're not moved by what we see. And you need to be able to stand in the promise of God and know that his word is true and it never returns void. It totally accomplishes everything that he sent it forth to do. So anyway, here's Caleb and he says, I brought him back a report according to my conviction. They were speaking fear. They were causing everyone around them to melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord. I, however, followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. I was convinced. I was convinced that my God is faithful. So you see, Caleb went into the same land, but he came back with a different report according to his convictions, a different spirit. And he knew how to believe God. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back in time and we're going to find out where Caleb really won his victory. You see, it's not when you walk in, although that's a victory. But that's not where you win it. Numbers 13 23. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single, just one, just one cluster of grapes. A single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with pomegranates and figs. Do you know how big that cluster of grapes was if it took two men to carry it on a pole between them, how big is your God? Do you see how good? That's one cluster. I don't think these were puny men either back then. These were warriors. <laughs> they were fighters. <laughs> it took a lot of strength to carry that little cluster of grapes that blessing of the Lord. In the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly 
and showed them the fruit of the land. So now these people have no excuse but to see how blessed this land is, right? They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent it, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. See, here's the evidence. They're not even really having to be moved by faith at this point. They can see it. They can see the outpoured blessing of the Lord in this land. But, you see, people always want to get their carnal minds involved. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So immediately they have forgotten this blessing and they're focused on the enemy. Immediately. They're focused on the enemy. They're focused on the problem. That is a lazy man's attitude. That is a lazy man's attitude. That was what the majority was doing. They were focusing on the fear. Focusing on the fear. Then Caleb silenced the people. You have got to silence the fear in your life, saints. And hopefully you're a good silencer for fear in other people's lives because you will edify them in the word and you will edify them in the promise when they're in a situation where they're facing difficulty, when they're facing trouble. You come alongside them and you silence the fear. That's what we're here for one another to do that. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Saints, you can certainly do it. You have a God that is bigger than every enemy in that land. You have a God that is bigger than the giant. Do you remember when we studied Psalm 46.10 a couple weeks ago. And you know, a lot of people say, be still and know that I am God, rest assured. Well, just go back and study it in the Hebrew. Be still is a silence, just like Caleb did. He silenced the enemy. What that be still is saying is, you, enemy, have nothing to say here. You, enemy, be quiet and know who my God is. That's what that verse means. And that was Caleb's attitude. We must silence the doubt and unbelief and choose to focus on the good report, on the goodness of God, on the faithfulness of God on the fact that his word is yes and amen. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger 
than we are. Well, see, they're thinking with their carnal mind. Yeah, you know what? In our carnal abilities, God does not expect us to walk forth in our carnal abilities alone. Right? 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world, right? That's what he says. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13, everyone of God, born of God overcomes the world. Everyone born of God, if you're a believer, if you've called on Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you're a child of God, you are born of God, overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. 1 John 5, 4. Your faith has a purpose. You need to employ it. All things are impossible with God. Matthew 19, 26. As a man believeth in his heart, so is he. King James, Proverbs 23, 7. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it, and all the people we saw there are of great size. Constantly speaking doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief. I said it before, God is bigger than the giant. You see, we look at it as a giant, that's a misnomer. It's kind of like I talked about last week. We refer to, to God as when he does something great, as supernatural. And we kind of need to reorient our thinking. See, that's not supernatural to God. It's his natural. It's who he is. It's his character. It's what he's about. We just think of it that way because we're used to a carnal world that, where, where thoughts are so much less than his thoughts. You see? But it's his every day. Is that making sense? So that giant is no giant. It's just this little imp that a carnal mind creates into a giant. You see, David didn't see the giant. He saw the victory. My God is with me. I am well able. I will go up in the power of the Lord. Right? That's where we need to get our, our thinking, our heart. Numbers 33, Numbers 13, 33. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Yeah, but that's in their own eyes. That's not God's eyes. They're not looking at it with God's vision. And we looked the same to them. Who cares what it looks like to them? They're not always going to see your God, right? But you do. You see your God. You know who's with you. Right? Hallelujah. We're not going to look at it with carnal eyes. That was what their problem. They were looking at themselves with carnal eyes. And that's where they lose their battle. That's where... Nobody here at RTC. But that's where the majority of people lose their battle. Chapter 14, 1. That night, all the members of the community 
raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Have you ever been there where you might find yourself grumbling and you've got to go, no, I am not going to be a grumbler and a complainer. I'm not going to do it. Philippians 12.14 tells me, do everything without grumbling or arguing. That's a ploy of the devil. You find grumbling words, words that are against the word coming out of your mouth, stop it. Cast down every, it has to happen in your mind first. Cast down every evil imagination that would exalt itself against the word of God. Cast it down, get rid of it. That's grumbling. And the whole assembly, do you see what just a little, a little bit of yeast will do? See what a little bit will do? And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? You see, have you ever been around any, ever, anyone who just constantly imagines the worst? And they have like no filter on their mouth. And they just like puke all over you with it. I'm like, you know what? You go swim around in your own vomit. No, I'm totally serious. You go swim around in your own vomit. I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't believe it. And if that's where you want to go sink, then you just go sink there. But I serve a different God who doesn't spew vomit out of his mouth. He has the word. And I'm going to spew life out of my mouth. And if you want to imagine the worst, just go right ahead. But if you want to come along with me, we're going to find the mountaintop. We're going to climb where faith takes us. I'm going to encourage my, you know what? If you can't encourage me in the word, I'm going to encourage myself. Not that I won't be your friend, but I certainly am not going to take your counsel. Now, if you want to turn around and take my counsel, you know what? You're going to find that you will occupy the land that God has for you. And you go ahead and you link arms with me and we're going to go there together. Because the Lord is with us and not against us. Hallelujah. I'm a believer, not a doubter. <laughs> I'm going to trust God's plan. I will cast down that evil imagination that you just let fly. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Whoa, I wouldn't want to be married to somebody like that. <laughs> wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? How thankless is this? How thankless is this? 
music in your brain about everything that God had done for them. He had brought them out of Egypt. He had brought them out from under pain and suffering and torment. He parted the Red Sea. He's going to say, quit being so ungrateful. I'm going to run away from you. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. That's idolatry. Man, if I had a leader who was going on with God, who believed in God, I wouldn't want to leave that. God gave him. God gave him this leader that had a vision, that had his vision. Wow. It's like doubt, disbelief, thanklessness, failure to remember the good blessings of God. There's like a whole lot going wrong here. You know? And you know, this, is, this really is something that the carnal world just loves to do. They see a believer and something goes wrong or whatever, and then they want to blame it on God. Well, you don't know what's going on in that person's life. You don't know if they're confessing the word. You don't know if they're really standing on the promises of God. You know, look what these people were doing. What They think that they were just going to go in there and look at everything they were doing. They were thankless. They were doubting and unbelieving. They were spewing trash out of their mouths. And what, then they expect God to honor that? Life's not going to have anything to do with darkness. So you're either going to choose light or you're going to choose darkness. And guess what? Every time the light will overcome the darkness. But you've got to pull the string, saints. You've got to turn on the bulb. Right? I've got to walk over to the light and flip the switch. You know, that's a hard pill for us to swallow sometimes. But here's the really good thing, that when we go back and we say, hey, God, I, I see this thing. I see where my mouth was incorrect. He's faithful and just. He's merciful. His loving kindness never ends. Jesus came for redemption, right? So it's, it's really a simple matter. Just recognize, recognize the issue and run back. Change the course. Take on a different spirit. Numbers 14.5 Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Exceedingly good. They're not looking at the negative. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. 
Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of that land because we will devour them. You see, the majority was saying, they devour every living thing in it. And Caleb's saying, no, we will devour them. The tables have been turned. Jesus, in, in the New Testament, Jesus has come. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people in the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit. They were looking at the good. They were standing firm in the promise. They were speaking the good report. They were seeing the positive. They were understanding the goodness and the faithfulness of God. They were relying on his faithfulness. You know, here it basically calls disbelief, murmuring, and grumbling as rebellion. It says, don't rebel against the Lord. That grumbling, that disbelief, that agreement with the fear is rebellion against the faithfulness of God. In Mark 5, 35, that's where Jairus wanted his daughter to be healed. And they came to him with a bad report, didn't they? They came and they said, hey, hey, what are you doing bothering the master? Your daughter's dead. Your daughter's dead. Okay, Jairus was a synagogue ruler, right? And what was the response? Do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Little girl, I say to you, Jesus went, little girl, I say to you, get up. And then he, he was saying, you know, she, she wasn't dead. She was just asleep. Look what you all were thinking. You believe the worst. It isn't so. Go back to Numbers 14.9. We will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Believe and stand in the strength of your God. When you are faced with a bad report, when you are going through a difficult challenge, stand and believe the report of your God. Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, what are you standing in? The blessing of God, the promise of God, the faithfulness of God. Psalms 18.25 says, to the faithful, he is faithful. We serve a faithful God. His word doesn't change. So doing all, doing all, it says, and after having done all, after having done all, stand. So what is, what is doing all? What is doing all? That's important. We must know the promise. We must believe the promise, even in the face of the doubters, even in the face of the naysayers. We have to believe the promise. We have to speak the promise. 
and we have to face and defeat fear. We have to face and defeat fear with the word of God, by the love of God, by the mercy of God. I believe God. Numbers 14.10. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. You know, sometimes when you're standing, there are going to be people around you that, you know, it can be two things. Some people just want to see you fail because they don't want to put the work in to have the faith required. They want to see God fail. Right? I mean, some people are just ignorant of the word. You know, that's innocent. It's innocent, but it's deadly. Some people just want you to flat out fail. They don't want to see God. But it doesn't really matter, you see? Because that's not where your eye is. They might want to stone you, but God comes to the rescue. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then (laughs) the glory of the Lord appeared. The glory of the Lord appeared. The glory of the Lord appeared. He honors his word. He honors you standing in the word. It is to his glory. It is to his glory. The glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. All the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? See, he's saying unbelief is contempt. How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? Encourage yourself. Edify yourself. When you're in a difficult situation, look back and say, the Lord delivered me in this situation and he doesn't change and I know he'll do it again. Numbers 14, 12. I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Hallelujah, that's your promise, saints. Moses said to the Lord, thank you for the Moses in your life. Do any of you have Moses, Moseses in your life? that when maybe you get a little weak and the struggle gets a little difficult and you have someone to come next to you or a Joshua who will hold your arms up. Do you remember studying about that two years ago? That when Moses' arms got weary, they came and held him up. Well, do any of you have people like that? Thank God. Thank God that Moses was like that, to intercede. Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power, you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. 
They have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people and that you, Lord, have seen face to face that your cloud stays over them and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the wilderness. See, that's what I'm talking about. See, the Lord would judge it as God's fault. They don't see all the garbage that these people were doing, right? Numbers 14, 17. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed, just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. See, God calls on the mercy and the love of God. God, I said God calls, I meant Moses. Moses calls. A man. Moses, a man. A man calls on the love and mercy of God. A man, a woman, calling on the mercy of God can save a nation can save a family, can save a friend. If you put all these people, oh, did I read that? Can you put all these people to death? Yeah. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared it. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. Verse 19 in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. Time and again, Lord, I know, I know, it's been time and again, over and over and over and over, they've been thankless. Oh, Lord God, just one more time, please, by your mercy. He calls on the mercy of God, and God sheds mercy on the people. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. What did we talk about last week? Are we going to believe big enough? Are we going to ask? He asked that the sun stand still. Didn't Joshua? He asked that the sun stand still and the moon Are you going to ask? Yeah. And it said God listened to a man that day. He listens to your prayers. They're important. Pray for your loved ones, saints. Numbers 14, 21. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. Now, you know, you might read that verse, you might think, well, that's not very nice, God. Yeah, yeah, you know what? It is really nice. It's totally nice. It's totally just. It's totally faithful. Because if the Lord is going to honor darkness, How can we ever believe him for light? 
You see what I'm saying? It is totally kind to discipline and correct unbelief. Because the only way we can truly experience the glory of God in our lives is by standing on the word and doing what the word says. And God's heart is so for us that he is willing to discipline us. Does that make sense? No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Now, does that mean that you can't run back to him when you make a mistake? Of course not, because he's a loving father. His mercies never end. They're new every morning. He has unfailing love. You see, he's just and faithful. So when we notice that unbelief, and then we just turn around and we say, well, I take crop failure on that, Lord. Okay, I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to judge myself. You're not going to have to judge it. (laughs) I'm going to correct it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, in other words, in the face of the challenge, he will believe. He will believe the word. He will believe my promise. He will believe my faithfulness. He will believe in my greatness. He will believe in my mercy. He will believe in my grace. Because he has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Hallelujah. Do you know that when you stand that when you stand, your children get blessed? Here, let me show you that in the Word. Let's go to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, verse 26. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. Every time you have to stand for the word, saints, you're building a fortress and a refuge for your children. That's good news. That is good, good news. Hallelujah. So see, we, we've just gone back in time from when they're at the Jordan and they're, they're going in to occupy the land. We're going to go back to Joshua 14. So, verse 9. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. That's the same as when in Joshua 1.3 where he says, wherever you set your foot, the sole of your feet, I will give it to you. So this doesn't mean, saints, that we're not going to make mistakes, but it means that when our heart returns unto the Lord, the promise prevails. The promise prevails. Verse 10, now then, just 
as the Lord promised. When was the promise made? We're in Joshua right now. We were in Numbers. When was the promise made? When did Caleb occupy the land? When did he believe God? 45 years before. That's when he got his promise. 45 years before. He chose to have a different spirit. He chose to see the good. He chose to see the land of milk and honey. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. You see, it was when he was in the wilderness that he believed. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country. It was mine then, and it's mine now. I am walking in. No one's going to take it away from me. My God is faithful. Give me this hill country. Saints, it's time for you to say, give me my promise. Give me my hill country. That the Lord promised me that day, that day. You occupy your land the moment you believe. You must make a demand on the word. You must make a demand on the word. I will not take no for an answer. You yourself heard then that the Amalekites were there. And their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. So you see, when you go into the occupied territory, it doesn't mean that enemies aren't there. It doesn't mean that enemies and challenges won't try to come against you. It also doesn't mean that you haven't occupied. Right? Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Then the land had rest from war. So you see, Caleb entered his promised land. He took occupation. He entered the land when he chose a different spirit. When he chose to stand in the promise rather than in the bad report of the majority. Right? That's when he took possession. That's when he didn't take possession. That's when he occupied his land. He had a spirit what? What was his spirit in line with? His spirit was in line with the goodness of God. His spirit was in line with the faithfulness of God. His spirit was in line with the power of God. 
his spirit was in line with the deliverance of God. He said, I've been delivered into my land. I will have a different spirit. It's mine, and nobody's going to take it away from me. Caleb entered when he chose to believe the faithfulness and the goodness, and then he never let go of the promise. He never let go of the promise. Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. See, he was wholehearted. He was committed. Psalm 37.4, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. You see, this was a 45-year desire that Caleb had, and he never let go. He never let go. He chose to believe differently. He chose the good report. He chose the word. He chose the promise of God. The day he chose his different spirit to, to speak out with a different spirit is the day he won his victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You see, the choices we make today affect us 40, 45, 50, 60, 70 years ahead. The choices we made back then affect us. It doesn't mean if you make a mistake that that cannot be redeemed. See, we serve a redeeming God, right? But we have a responsibility to recognize that the spirit that we need. Every time we shun evil and choose good, we have won a victory. We have chosen a good report. Every time we give up a carnal or a worldly pleasure that is antithetical to the word, we have chosen the victory. We have chosen the different spirit. Every time we stand for Christ in the face of trouble, we have chosen a different spirit. A spirit that cannot be conquered. And when we do that, saints, not only do we affect our lives, we affect those around us. What did we just read in Proverbs about your children? When you choose a different spirit, you are building a fortress. And don't think that's just your children. It can be nieces. It can be nephews. It can be, that's basically someone who, it can be those that God has given you influence upon. So because of how Joshua and Caleb chose to believe an entire nation was saved, Right? Because they went in. You know, we all make choices that we're not proud of in life. I've made plenty of choices that I'm not proud of in life. But thank you, Lord, that I can run back to you just like David. No matter how many mistakes David made, God still said of him, he is a man after my own heart. His heart is after me. You see, God looks on our heart. And when we run to him and we take our stand in, in, in face of all the naysayers and we choose the larger spirit, the higher ground, his ways are higher than our ways, that's when we enter our promised land. Proverbs 8.2, at the highest point along the way where the paths meet, 
she takes her stand. They're talking about wisdom there. Remember a couple weeks ago when we studied that? We studied about the Lord is giving us a rich store of salvation and wisdom and understanding. And we, when we come to those paths, the, his voice is a voice speaking to me. Whether I turn to the left or to the right, telling me this is the way. Walk in it. You see, wisdom takes the stand at the parting. And God, the word says that he counsels us with his good counsel, with a loving eye upon us. And wisdom stands in the counsel and promise of God. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. You see, that's where you win. That's where you win. Right there. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. And saints, it is our duty, it is our honor, it is our good pleasure to lift up other people in the word, in the love and the mercy of God, in the promise of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage one another and build each other up. See, that's how you help somebody else win their battle. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Let's go there. Ephesians 5. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. <coughs> Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You see, he gives us everything we need to understand his will. We just have to come in agreement with it. He calls it foolish not to understand his word. He calls it contempt not to believe his word. On down to the middle of 18. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you need to admonish yourself. You need to lift yourself up. You need to edify yourself in the Word, but you also need to Edify others in the word. Let's go ahead and go to First Thessalonians. I know I spoke it a minute ago, but I actually want to read it. Verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. You see, we need to build each other up to have the different spirit. We need to build each other up to have the stronger spirit. Okay, And we do that by giving them the word, the word of faith. And I want to read you actually a little note here. And this is what I'm talking about. When you have someone who's going through a struggle, and I, and I know you all know this, but you see that's why it's so important 
to be ready in season and out of season, to have the rich store of God's wisdom, understanding, and the word in our spirits, right? So that you can be an encouragement to others. I will be praying for you today. You are going to do amazingly, and the Lord will, will and does bless all the work of your hands. Okay, that's scripture out of Deuteronomy, right? Okay, this is the word encouraging someone who's facing maybe a challenge or, you know, a situation that could potentially produce nervousness or fear. But see, we bring peace. When people see you, your presence is going to bring peace because of the word that's stored up in you. And you can do this to yourself, too. You can do this with yourself. I'll be praying for you today. You are going to do amazingly, and the Lord will and does bless all the work of your hands. You are the head and not the tail, the top and not the bottom, above only and not beneath. I pray that the Lord gives you wisdom and discernment. He is a rich store of wisdom and knowledge. His peace, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. He has good plans for you, and he knows how to make sure that you have every need, want, and desire fully supplied. Excuse me, is this going to encourage you? If you are facing a difficult situation, be this help, saying, be this help to people around you. Take the time. Take the time. I get happy just reading this. I'm like, wow, yeah, that's for me too. Yeah, okay, I'm excited. <laughs> and this wasn't to me. This was to someone else. He knows how to make sure you have every need, want, and <laughs> desire fully supplied. You walk in favor, okay, with both God and men. <laughs> and everything you set your hand to will prosper. Straight out of the scripture. Every word of this is straight out of the scripture. Remember, remember, remember to encourage yourself. <laughs> remember to encourage yourself during the blank. I, I, I don't want to say that word because it might give it away who this is. That, that situation, that God has already given you the land. God has already given you the land. His joy will radiate through you. See, even in the middle of a challenge, we're being a testimony and a witness to other people. His joy will radiate through you and they won't be able to help but be drawn to his light and his love and the special things you have to offer. You are unique. See, God gave you your uniqueness for a special reason. Very special reason. You are unique. You are one of a kind. And you are precious in the Lord's sight. 
Love you so much. You rock. Man, just don't you want to be that to somebody? You are one of a kind. You rock. You are one of a kind. You rock. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. And nobody will be able to deny it. It is a different spirit. It is the spirit of God. So that's what the Lord had me share today. Hallelujah. So remember, go out in the spirit of God. Go out and let fly the spirit of God that he's placed in you. Hallelujah. Dear Lord, I just thank you that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead resides in us. That it goes forth, that it touches a world that needs your touch and your spirit. That they see a different spirit, the spirit of the Lord in us. That we have your spirit in the face of every challenge that you lift us up and that we lift others up. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. So you are dismissed for having celebration.